Welcome to The Friendship Paradox, a podcast about friendship, personalities, and everything in between. I'm Brianna. I'm an extrovert, an Enneagram 2, and an acts of service kind of girl. And I'm Stephanie. I'm an introvert, an Enneagram 9, and a words of affirmation kind of girl. We are not personality experts. We're just two besties who love talking about personalities and want to share that with the world. Join us this season as we get back to our roots and discuss a few more personality frameworks that we missed our first time around. That's right, friends. It's superficial deep dive time. Superficial deep dive. Hi, Bree. Hi, Steffi. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 5 of The Friendship Paradox. It's our season finale! Holy cow, we made it to our season finale? Oh, somehow we did. I do not know how we keep doing this. I know, it keeps happening. Today, we are going to do a bit of a deep dive on the Enneagram. Again? I am... Yes, I am forcing Brie to do another episode on the Enneagram because there is just so much to the Enneagram. There's so many other theories and other parts of the symbol that we really didn't get into during our first deep dive. And I said, we are going to do another episode. And Brie said, do we have to? (laughs) And I said, yes. And then Stephanie sat on top of me and beat me up until I said, yes. Yes, she has <laughs> two black and blue eyes. Yeah. I'm so sorry about that, but I think it was worth it. Yeah, I decided not to press charges. <laughs> I've been very violent in the last two episodes. Emotionally abusive and now physically. Not looking uh, good for me. Yeah. Is it not looking good for you or is it not looking good for me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> people are gonna be like is brianna okay is she okay (laughs) all right before we get into all that though brie what is going on in your life right now for the first time in quite a while i brought i brought i bought tickets to go see a musical oh how fun yeah so the last musical i saw was really way too long ago it was in december when i went to new york i for my company's holiday party, I decided to extend the trip and spend some days with my family, like my cousins. And one of the nights, Sean and I went with my cousin Nicole to go see Beetlejuice, the musical on Broadway. Sean and I had listened to the soundtrack and we knew every word. So we were really excited to see the musical and we loved it. And turns out it's going on. They took it off Broadway like a couple weeks later. Like we saw it December 8th. It it left Broadway January 6th. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we really caught it right at the end. Very super lucky. Turns out it went on tour, national tour, and it's coming to the Stras in October, Ooh, right before Halloween. Perfect. Yeah, so I snagged some tickets. So my life update is that I acquired tickets to see Beetlejuice the musical. And let me tell you something. They charged Hamilton prices for this musical. Oh, yeah? Wow. Yeah. It's super high demand. I'm so happy to see it. It's almost totally sold out, like, across the whole week. 
yeah and like musical theater doesn't really have that much love yeah like it like i'm always scared that like theater is gonna die i don't know it's just live live theater and the arts they're not as valued certainly not in florida but generally speaking they're not as valued as other industries and it's something that worries me a lot so it's really good to see one that they're selling tickets and two that for certain shows they can actually make money doing it yeah oh i love that yeah so what about you what's going on in your world well my life update is that i celebrate a whole damn decade at my job this month holy shit a whole 10 years (laughs) 10 whole years yeah crazy it's hard to believe i have been in one job well multiple jobs at one company for so long but that i also still really enjoy it i remember when i started there and i was like okay stuff you like it now but it's you're gonna get over it and it's gonna be terrible and like it just has never gotten there for me which is lovely and just like thinking about all the changes the company has gone through in those 10 years like we started as like this startup with less than 50 employees when I started and now we're part of a global company we have merged with multiple other digital marketing organizations and just like the whole process of our company and our de- my content marketing department as a whole has changed so much. But I'm still happy to be there. I'm grateful to be celebrating 10 years. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Thank you. That's like a huge accomplishment. And that's a big milestone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... I remember when I celebrated five years and I was like, oh my God. And now, now we're at 10. So crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. Okie dokie. Let us dive into today's topic, which is an Enneagram deep dive. We are going to get into some of the nitty gritty details about the wings of the Enneagram the centers of intelligence, the directions of integration and disintegration, and the slightly controversial soul child theory that I love. We love a good controversy. Oh, yeah. So first, we are going to talk about wings. So I get to to become a fairy? Yes. Oh, good. (laughs) So there are two numbers on either side of your number. These numbers are considered your wings. For example, an Enneagram 5's wings would be 4 or 6. Their wing cannot be any other number, so they can't be a 5 wing 9 or a 5 wing 1 or anything like that. Even if you feel like, oh, I feel like a 5, but I really connect with this other number, so maybe that's my wing. Like, that's not how it works, unless it's a 4 or 6. <laughs> So the majority of people have a dominant wing. Some people can have both wings, like both wings feel dominant to them, but that's rare. And your wing will complement your core Enneagram type and add a bit of complexity to your overall personality. But for the most part, our wings tend to blend together with the traits of our core Enneagram type, and they just help us better understand our personality. Now, you can take a test to figure out your wing. There are plenty of tests online. But with the Enneagram, I have always found that it's best 
to do your own research and figure out which traits most align with your personality, your core motivations, your fears, all of that. Like for me, just like studying up on a nine wing one and a nine wing eight, I was easily able to figure out which one was mine. I feel like they're different enough, like your the wings, the different wings are different enough that you can kind of parse it out yourself. But if you're having trouble, take a test and see if that gives you some insight. And I'm going to, by I, I mean Brie is going to leave a <laughs> link in our show notes to a website that will list out each type and their wings so you can look at all of them and see what you are. Because there's a lot of different combinations. There are. And we are not going to go through all of them, least lest we do a six-hour podcast, which Brie has told me I cannot do. So if you want that, please yell at Brie. <laughs> This is like, we're getting there. Like, people are going to be like, are they still friends at the end of this? I in promise. fact, we're still best friends. Yes. We are it's still all best in friends. Good fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I am going to hand things off to Bree, who's going to talk about the wings of the Enneagram 2 and the Enneagram 9, because that is, those are our types, and we'll tell you what our wing, are, wing is. Yeah. Wings are. So I'm going to start with you, my BFF, Stephanie. Me? I'm going to start with you. We're going to start with the Enneagram 9. So your two possible wing types, and we'll, maybe we should let our listeners guess which one is yours. So your two possible types are 9 wing 1 or 9 wing 8. So if you are a 9 wing 1, you are more introverted and critical toward yourself than you are to others. You're more likely to participate in efforts that promote justice and fairness. And you have a very strong sense between right and wrong because ones have that really strong sense of justice. That's very one. Or you could be a nine wing eight. You are more confident, stubborn, and passive aggressive. So it's the avoidance of conflict, but like (laughs) erring on the side of being a little bit bullish. They are more readily... They, they can more readily access anger to express their emotions and they do so more openly, especially when there is conflict. I think I know what your wing type is. What is it? Your nine wing one. Yep. I am definitely, <laughs> I can definitely feel that one energy coming to me in certain aspects. I have like a definitely like a black and white, right and wrong thinking about certain things that like, And that's when, like, yes, I am the peacemaker who wants to keep the peace. But, like, when you, when that sense of justice is getting impeded, I will not be as, like, I will say what I want to say. I wish to say that. Yeah. And I think that one commonality that you share with Michaela Mm -hmm. is how you guys understand each other so well. Yeah, for sure. And then I am an Enneagram, too. So my two wing types are a two wing one or a two wing three. So two wing ones want to be seen as someone others can depend on. They can be critical of themselves and have trouble expressing their needs. They want to provide that help that also aligns with their morals. Two wing three is ambitious and image conscious. They can be extroverted and inclined to connect with the people around them. 
They are excellent leaders because they have a bit of a competitiveness about them. Would you like to guess my wing type? I believe you were a two-wing three. I am a two-wing three. Yes. Like, I, like if I didn't know you as well as I do, I'm like, ooh, that wing one. But I know, I because definitely... I definitely do want to be seen as the person someone depends on. But remember, that is a two. A yeah. two is the helper. Yeah. It's those those nuancey oneness like where like it's the nuances of between the one and the three where like the three like it's my leadership and extroversion mm-hmm. that really yeah sets it over the right. edge okay so i'm really excited for this next bit that you're going to take over and do because this was one of the intricacies of the enneagram that i think is the most difficult to understand yes it is and i did a lot of research on this one because i really wanted to understand it So the next topic we're going to discuss is the directions of integration and disintegration. Your direction of integration is where you go to in health. So that's the Enneagram type you go to in health. The direction of disintegration is the Enneagram type you go to in stress. So when you look at the symbol of the Enneagram, you're going to see a lot of like crisscrossing lines those are the directions we're talking about. You go to one type in stress and one type in health. Research have discovered that different situations can evoke different types of responses. And the way I saw it described on a website was that moving to a different Enneagram number when we are stressed or in health, that does not mean we're taking on the core motiva- motivations of that number. So if you're an Enneagram 9 and your core motivation is inner peace you're always going to have that inner peace even if you move to not to like give away the game but even if you move to a three in health you don't suddenly take on the core motivations of a three you're still trying to get that inner peace it, what it means is that you we think that we can gain our deepest desires by taking on the characteristics of that type so as an Enneagram 9, I go to 6 in stress. So my personality believes that I think by taking on the characteristics of an Enneagram 6, that I can earn that inner peace and harmony I need when I'm feeling very stressed. But that's actually not how I get my inner peace because my inner peace comes from my core type. So basically what this is saying is like, we are how we fulfill our desires our core motivations and all of that can change if we're feeling stressed or when we are at our healthiest self does that make sense yeah it does it makes a lot of sense because your behavior will shift if you are feeling bad or if you are feeling good yes exactly (laughs) Yeah. yeah our behavior and the way we attack things and do things is much different depending on different situations so and I think that's what I love about the Enneagram is like it understands that life is difficult and like we're going to be really stressed and we're going to try to fulfill our needs in different ways that like actually don't help us so I think that's what this is really trying to get at and I think this will also help people who are like first getting into the Enneagram, like this part of it, like the mm-hmm. the integration and disintegrations really helps you understand why you see yourself in all of the types. Yes. Because you should. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's like the part of the Enneagram. Yeah. And I think what this also does is it really helps clarify 
your number if you're struggling to find your number. Because for me, I was between one of my numbers was the six. I was like, oh, I really feel like an Enneagram six. And that's because that's where I am when I'm at my most unhealthy. So I'm thinking of like the unhealthy parts of being an Enneagram six. Yeah. So anyway, we are going to talk about our own directions of integration and disintegration. I did kind of give away what mine are, but that's okay. We'll talk about like how I go about that. Yeah. I will let you take it away. Okay. So I'll start with myself then. Yay. All right. So I'm an Enneagram 2, but in times of stress, I go to an 8. What does this mean? This means I might become more aggressive or blunt, and I'm no longer helping people like coming from a place of loving kindness, but rather from a place where I expect approval from other people. So I'm like, helping them because I want them to recognize that I'm helping them. Like I want that recognition. Mm. I can start to become defensive and I might start to repress my feelings, be a little passive aggressive and really quickly experience burnout. So no bueno. I I try to avoid that. Yes. But in health and I I strive for, for this one, I go a little bit more to a four. So this means I might embrace creativity, individuality, and self-empowerment. For me, it's more self-empowerment. I'm yeah. not much of a creative or an individually focused person that I've never gotten that far. They can place boundaries between themselves and others and understand that taking care of themselves is vitally important. And I would agree. I've definitely adopted more of that. There's very little internal conflict on how the people around them are feeling. They are confident in who they are and know their friends love them just so. (laughs) Not quite there yet, but we'll get there. And then they may take the time to create or just to take time for themselves in whatever way that is to embrace their quirkiness. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I definitely see like parts of the four that you have really worked on to get there. Like... It's not something that comes naturally to you as like a helper, but you have learned that you need to like set boundaries and take care of yourself and like find your own like ways of being and enjoyment. Yes. I would like to thank my therapist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And now I'll give a little bit more detail about what you started to talk about, which were your areas of integration, disintegration, unless you want to do it. No, you can do it. Tell me how bad I am. No, you're good. (laughs) All right. So in stress, you move to a six, which means you may sometimes become stubborn or frustrated and become hypercritical of themselves and others. Oh, that doesn't sound like you at all. (laughs) Being critical of yourself. You may repress emotions to the point of numbness, which will then lead to a major blow up. You may find that you lack motivation and find it hard to maintain like routine and responsibility you may become a people pleaser but do so pessimistically and self-doubtingly and you may disassociate hard with overindulging on social media yeah that dissociation is like my key like that's when i know i'm being unhealthy (laughs) listen we literally all have those days yeah but in health you go to a three Which means you become ambitious and you enjoy pushing yourself mentally and physically. And really, I've seen a lot of this. You understand how to prioritize 
and you can express your needs and take care of yourself and you know how to communicate through conflict. Although I know that one's a little bit harder for you, but even then you've made huge strides. They've become confident, self-assured and energetic and they can manage their time and priorities effectively. I think this also speaks to some of your more professional Mm -hmm. assessments. Like you're very like goal oriented Mm -hmm. and you love structure and you meet deadlines. Like, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Okay. So next we are going to talk about the centers of intelligence This is one of the more common groupings of the Enneagram because the Enneagram is nine types. Everything is grouped into like triads, so like little groups of three. And there are multiple different groupings and we will not get through all of them. But I wanted to touch on the centers of intelligence because it's the most common and I really think it can help people who might be waffling between different types if you kind of, if you could see like, oh, am I more of a head type or a heart type, stuff like that can, that can help you if you're trying to decide. So in this grouping, the Enneagram is broken down into the gut or the body. That's, I like the gut better. I just feel like it feels more me, (laughs) the heart and the head centers. You can also think of this as the grounded center, which is gut slash body the connected center, the heart, and the mindful center, the head. The gut center, it's also, like I said, called the body center. It used to be called the instinctive center. So any of those fit. This is types eight, nine, and one. They lead with their guts or their instincts. They can be quick to take action and aren't held up they aren't held up by overthinking or overfeeling. They make a decision. They know what decision they mean to make and they make it. They are focused on personal security, control, social belonging, and taking the right action. Some people call this the body center because these types use their bodies when they are motivated by thoughts. So they just take action. However, they can also be prone to either impulsive behavior or inertia. And I will let Bree talk about the heart and the head centers. The heart is where I live. Heart center comprises types two, three, and four. So these are the feelings-based types, and they lead with their heart. So things that are important to them include connection, and approval and love and also they like recognition (laughs) that doesn't sound like me at all no that's me to a t they also have really strong emotional intelligence and they have really easy access to their own like intuition and they have a, a strong sense of empathy however overuse of misuse of their emotions can lead to emotional manipulation or being overly sensitive So they're the (laughs) touchy-feelies. And then the one I probably relate to the least (laughs) is the head center, which is types five, six, and seven. So these people are the logical ones. They lead with their heads and and ideas. They they, They process the world through like analysis and thought and information. So they're very data-driven. 
And they like to create certainty and safety using rational decision-making before taking action. This is very important to them. And like many people who are very logic-based, they can get analysis paralysis. Have a tough time making decisions because they're overanalyzing things. It's funny you say, like, don't relate because you don't relate because, like, none of your numbers go there because you're a two that goes to a four or an eight. Yep. And that's gut or <laughs> feelings. So, like, it makes sense. So, yeah. And that's funny. Now they think about it, like, the nine goes to all the different centers. So, we're in, like, the gut center or. When we're healthy, we're in the feelings, and when we're unhealthy, we're in like we're in our minds. So interesting. Wow. Yeah. That just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. That explains so much. I know. I know. This is what I love about stuff like this because it like really like explains why like if we're not like feel because I have a a podcast I listen to. She always talks about how like she doesn't go anywhere in the feeling center. She's like, I am not a feeler. It's all like head or gut. <laughs> like none of it's in the heart. That's so not she and I might be the real polar opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny to think about it like that. But yeah. Cool. So the final part of this deep dive that I want to talk about is our controversial soul child theory. Time to put on your boxing gloves. Ding, ding. ding round ding. one. <laughs> so... This is controversial because many people firmly believe that you are one type from birth and your number never changes. Soul child theory was developed by Sandra Maitri and states that we were born as the type we move to in growth, but due to childhood trauma, wounds, experiences, stuff like that, we developed coping skills that pushed us through the stress line to the core number we are today. Hmm. Now, I will be the first to say that this theory probably doesn't ring true for everyone. I think it is probably more useful or helpful or whatever for people who had have had a more traumatic or difficult upbringing. For me, as an Enneagram 9 who moves to 3 in health, I find it very intriguing. I think about my little baby self being an ambitious three. It rings true for me because I was always a kid who was super motivated to be the best in school, get the best grades, be the teacher's pet. Like I was so motivated by that. But at home, things were pretty rough. I had an abusive father. Things were just not great at home, very like shaky foundation. So to me, it makes sense that I started to take on the core motivations and desires of a type nine, someone who is desperate for harmony and peace and wants that inner peace she wasn't getting in her home life. And somebody who like keeps herself small to make sure everyone is happy with her. Nobody's upset. I'm not making dad mad. Stuff like that. It's a little sad when you think about it that way, but it just, for me, it re- I really connect with that idea that like I moved to a nine and I took on the characteristics of a nine because of my childhood. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, like, 
does this ring true for you? You would have been born as a type four. So somebody who is like creative, sensitive, a little moody at times, things like that. But through your life, you move to a two based on childhood experiences. What do you think? So I'll say maybe. I could say maybe when I was younger, I might have been a little bit more creative. I might have been a little bit less reliant on like feeling like I needed to people please, which is like an unhealthy type two. Like you you do it you do it for the the accolades of being helpful. But you know, I did think about it and my mom is a type two. Um yeah. so I can't help but wonder if I learned to be a helpful person because my mom is such a helpful person. Oh, yeah. So I think watching her and like she was always there for her friends and she would always prioritize what other people asked of her to do before she would prioritize herself and things like that. I wonder if it wasn't some amount of nurturing from her. Like Mm -hmm. she led by example. But then I thought about her life and my mom's childhood was not that unlike yours. Yeah. My grandfather was unfortunately an abusive alcoholic and they were financially really unstable and my mom was also a lot younger than her siblings she came much later in life so I could see how she might have acted in such a way as to not be a burden and to always be helpful and to always like be on people's good side Mm -hmm. and that was how she learned to function and live in the household that she did but I don't know that for sure I've not talked to her about this at all but for me I do think a lot of it was I'm Janet Jr. yeah (laughs) I am I am I am my mom and I'm proud (laughs) of that yeah I love being just like her she's a Mm -hmm. wonderful person and everyone loves her for a reason so I think she taught me to help other people and that's and she was always the hostess like we ha- we hosted every family gathering at our house my mom loves to cook for people and feed people and be there for people and be helpful and help decorate for parties even when yeah. they're not her own like <laughs> that was the mom i had for my whole life and i love being just like her so i think it might have been i'm sure i'm sure the way she raised me i'm sure being her daughter is what made me the way i am that is such an interesting perspective because my mom is an Enneagram 9 like me. So now I'm like, oh, was it just like modeling how she was? And like, yes, she was the one with the abusive husband and like had to keep herself small to keep the peace and like not to get into like her like stuff. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to talk for her but like I do wonder if like that peacemaking inner peace like did come and like she was in a very large family growing up so and she was like in the middle so probably felt a little like lost in like that so that would be really interesting to think through too like how much does nurture affect our Enneagram number like how we were like different things were modeled for us growing up especially if we have a good relationship with our parents which we both do yes like I think it would be interesting to talk to somebody who doesn't and might be different or might be the same but that's very interesting too never thought of it that way Hmm. food for thought for us food for thought all right well that is all I have 
for you today about the Enneagram, our little deep dive. We went into some extra topics that I wanted to cover. There are a few more, but we're going to save that for a different episode someday. So stay tuned for that to happen. And now let's just dive right into obsessions. What are you obsessed with, Brianna? Well, I wish there was not smell a vision, but see a vision. Vision? Just see vision. Television? Is that just television? Yeah. So I got a rug for my you office. Did. And I'm so in love with it. It's so pretty. And when I walked on it with my bare feet, it was so soft. Dude, it's from Amazon. Really? Yeah. Nice. Now, originally, there's one out in the kitchen. Mm. That's the one I originally purchased yeah. because we measured and we thought, oh, surely this is the size I need. <laughs> nope. Nope. Nope, definitely needed to go bigger. So now I have two <laughs> two new rugs, but the one that's in my office I really love. And Titan's laying on it, and he matches it, and it's very cute. Oh, so cute. Maybe I'll love take it. a picture of it. Yeah, so I know it's a silly little thing, but, like, the you... floors in this house are a little bit old. Yeah. And there's because I have the office chair on it with the rollers, it's just totally worn off the whole top layer of the laminate. <laughs> So the the rug makes the room feel more complete, I think, and also hides the ugly. (laughs) Right. And like the fact that we spend so much time in our home offices, we need like little things like that really make a difference. They do. I think. Yeah. They really do. What are you obsessed with? I am obsessed with Duolingo. Whoa. Yes. What language are you learning? I am relearning Spanish. Hola. Hola. Me llamo Brianna. Me llamo Stephanie. Yo soy de Clearwater, Florida. I am from. Did I go too far? Yes. (laughs) Mucho gusto. (laughs) Mucho gusto. (laughs) I did spend like many years learning it in middle school and high school and college and I barely remember anything. So I've had a lot of friends who talk about Duolingo and like they're on like a 200 something day streak. And I'm like, I want to do that. A so. mí también. <laughs> Comprendo más que hablar. And I definitely had AJ call me a gringa today. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I currently have a three week streak. Good job. Thank you. I have learned very important words like milk and suitcase. I don't know those words. Leche. Le- oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. And, you know, I get suitcase and ticket mixed up because one is boleta and one is maleta. And it might be boleto and maleta. I don't know. But I get them mixed up. And right now, I cannot tell you the difference. I think boleta is ticket. And I might even be saying it right. I don't know. God, Yo it's no very sé. hard. <laughs> yeah, but I am learning it and having fun. And hopefully I can understand some Spanish language. Que bueno. De nada. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have 
Puerto Rican family. So I, I do know a couple like. <laughs> I mean, I do too. Key and phrases. I have Puerto Rican nephews and it hasn't hasn't really helped at all. So anyway, that is what I'm obsessed with right now. What are you obsessed with? We already talked about my obsession. Oh my God in heaven. My rug. <laughs> I think you need a nap. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> Woo, okay. I thought that was weird that we went with mine first. And I was like, well, look at me. Just, okay. I promise I was listening, guys. All right. I think that is why this is the season finale. Because I am just on my own little island here. It's not just, that you're on your own little island. It's that we got your brain thinking in Spanish. Yeah. You lost That's all train, what it is. I'm just like, all you started talking to me and I was just like, I should know these words and I don't. Anyway, that is our episode for today and for the season. And we will be back in a few weeks with season seven. Mm-hmm. Lucky number I'm seven. Really excited for that one. We are really going to have to be a bit vulnerable on that one, but I think we'll have fun. Yeah. But until then, please give us a follow on Instagram. We are at the Friendship Paradox. If you are so inclined, we would love it if you would leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And please tell a friend about the show. And that's all. I'm Stephanie. I'm Bree. Thanks for hanging out with the Friendship Paradox. Bye bye.